0: welcome everyone this is dan with the spiritual underground podcast coming to you from the studios at dtm enterprises my little wood shop in the backyard uh today we got another special guest and a couple guys uh uh can i say your name mike's sitting in here with us and josh is here and uh we're going to uh have josh tell his story mike's here just to hang out and uh, provide some extra energy in the room uh let's knock out these uh little Promotional items. Uh, I call them advertisements, but they're not advertisements. I'm not doing ads at the moment. Um, The music wrapped around the Spiritual Underground podcast is by Darren Frank. Uh, I would like to invite you to come to spiritualunderground.org to get show notes and also a contact me page where you can uh, email me or have any uh, feedback for the show. Or if you want to be on the show, I'm actually working up a thing right now to figure out uh, in the process of doing it remotely if for people who are, would be someplace else so I could interview them like over the phone and we could record it. <clears throat> it's kind of cool energy. I would rather have somebody across the table here. But uh, I'm certainly not going to close the doors to anything uh, like that. And I have a little bit of a plan on some new interviews with some people outside of 12-step recovery that I may have to do that way. Uh, and finally, 12-Step Spiritual Recovery by James Christopher Cohn is available on Amazon. Uh, is on You can get a hard copy of that book or get it on Kindle. So my buddy here, Josh, is uh, sobri- you just celebrated not too long ago your one year. Correct, one year. Yeah, family was there, cool stuff. Watching you're another one of those examples, and I like to have that uh, around here. That first year is just magical and uh the growth that happens is like so like exponential that happens it's just boom and mm-hmm. people go from uh some kind of beat down shoulders forward you know yeah type of thing to to blossom and it's just really cool to watch guys do that And i think it's important to have those stories here because uh it's one thing to hear about those these guys that come in it's got 16 years or got 14 years and you know all that uh, but the new guy that's coming into recovery going to relate to somebody that's close. You know, that one year mark is something that's, you know, looks that's right. more what they're interested in than, than 16 or 15 or hell. Sometimes it's, do you know, the 30 day guys who they're interested right. in. When you got two days, that 30 day guy looks mighty interesting. Sure. So we'll start off like we always do with your sobriety date.
1: So that would be February 11th of 2018.
0: Right. As I said, say, I had to tell him, right. Um, mm-hmm. So we always go different ways with this. Uh, most people start, uh, there's three things I've learned, and we have the three elements that we say uh, from mm-hmm. the recovery annals that says what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Uh, what I like to do is make sure that we touch on some of our childhood stuff. Because Correct. I think most people, and it's been everybody that's sitting across the table from me so far, has agreed that they knew something was different before they ever took their first drink. Correct. And usually, there's usually some kind of traumatic events back there, whether if you want to discuss them or not, that's one thing, or how what detail we get into them. But I do think that's important to talk about. And obviously, obviously we got a little bit of a war story and identification time about how we started drinking, maybe first drinks, blah, blah, blah. Right. Right. Uh, and then uh, uh, the, my most important thing I always like to get to is like after everybody has the mir- starting to have the miracles or what we call er- other in the book uh, promises happening in our lives. Mm. And I want to make sure that we touch mm. on that stuff, too. Sounds so, good. I'll say uh, one, two, three, go. One, two, <laughs> three, go. Yeah. <clears throat> Where do you want to start, man?
1: Well, you know, I, I, we were talking about my sobriety day earlier, and I was telling you that, um, you know, I really didn't. I I knew what it kinda of knew what it was, but I I'm do it a little bit different because a lot of guys count their days. Um, I personally don't count my days. Um I, I just know that, you know, the the day that I wake up I need to stay sober and I have a program that I need to work. Um <clears throat> there's time in the bank, uh that's there. Um and that's always helpful, but for me, uh it's just more about, you know, today's task is to Stay sober and get through the day without <clears throat> you know, really taking somebody's head off. Yep. Get my goat locked up.
0: Well, uh we always say we only have twenty four hours, right? You know, that's we, right. We it was related one day at a time. One day uh, at a time. A, some of the internet things we go O D A A T. One O dat. O dat? Yeah, one day at a time. And that really is all we got. And that's also uh, you know, how big that's, so that's got a little bit of meaning about one day at a time, we kinda of get that right, but it also is just staying in the present moment. Mhm. Uh, right it's really you know promise, and I'm kind of nervous here, it's about pretty safe right here right it is
1: safe you know um, two really great guys two good friends of mine uh, and I'm nervous and uh, you know I've thought about that a lot today because uh, the one thing that I'm really bad about doing is having expectations I don't know You know, other people relate that or not, but for me, I always have expectations and I find out that those expectations get me in trouble. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was kind of listening to some of the previous stories and I'm like, wow, those are amazing. And, you know, I, I, and just heartfelt and you can just hear, um, the transformation of people's lives and, you know, and what we call the juice. And I think that's just awesome. So I really don't have any expectations today. Good. I just try to remember that, and I have no idea what I'm going to talk about or where good, we're going to go. Um, and I'm just going to let my higher power bring it bring it out.
0: Yeah. You know the great thing about this is is that uh, you should know your story. I should. <laughs> you know, I know some parts of mine are a little foggy. Uh, right. Further down the path, I get though in clarity, and I've said this too before, but the further I get down the path forward. Mm-hmm. The clearer that things become, also the clearer some things come back, come become from the past too. So that's, that's true. kind of wild how the, you know you're waking up old things and and they you go, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, I, I do really look at it like there's a cloudy veil someplace back there, and I don't know exactly where it is. Yeah, but like that's tough to, it's still tough to see beyond that one of the cool things about that is that like the recovery side of it is I think you're a little bit sheltered from that in a way. You're like, okay, that's not you mm-hmm. anymore because it doesn't. It kind of don't feel like me anymore. Yeah. I'm starting to put some distance between me and that. Right. And uh, so where'd you grow
2: up? So I
1: grew up in, in um, LaGrange, about 20, 20, 25 miles uh, northeast of Louisville. Uh, my mother and father, um, you know, was, I was a single child. Uh, As far as growing up at home Um, And We lived in a pretty nice neighbor Pretty nice area I wouldn't really call it a neighborhood It was five uh, Five acre lots And there wasn't really a lot of people around For me to hang out with And so I didn't have a social network As I started getting into school Because all the kids had neighborhood friends Mm. So I began to feel like an outsider As soon as I went to school And I always thought that was the reason um, and I'm sure it was a part of it, but, excuse me, but, um, you know, I, we also had, uh, you know, the part where I was isolating under my, by myself, and, you know, it was, you know, I just didn't fit in with everybody. Uh, it was tough making friends. Um, didn't have a lot of friends in in, in high school, and all the way growing up through school, uh, have... One good buddy that moved away to Grapevine, Texas uh, in the fourth grade. Uh, and then I made really good friends with another guy um, who uh, we've stayed. We're extremely close today, but we, we did take a little break um, in my in our 20s. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as that went, I, I wasn't very uh, popular. Uh, I, I, and I didn't feel like I fit in. I really struggled with school. Um, had a hard time being a C student um, always did my homework uh, I always try to prepare for stuff but I, I just wasn't a straight-A kind of guy I was yeah. always in I was always in extended school services and so forth and um, just trying to get a little extra help and uh, that worked um, I did find that I had some success playing sports uh, played soccer from a very young age uh, all the way through high school uh i'm a big guy i'm like six five
0: yeah i was say you don't strike me as a soccer player
1: yeah i was like six five and i was a goalie <clears throat> um so um i chose to play soccer uh, because my dad uh, has a lot of accolades in basketball and the shadow is pretty big and uh, i i remember going out uh for my freshman basketball team and I, and I got beat by a guy who it was going to be me or him because we both played fall sports and the guy shot a left-handed layup with his right hand with his back to the goal and I carried a resentment about that for a while yeah and uh, I decided I, would, I wouldn't go out for that again so uh, I had a uh, our, our team just wasn't very good um, but we I did have a, a really good coach that worked with me from middle school through my senior year, and I um, um, played high school soccer as an eighth grader in middle school, uh, and uh, I was I was a pretty good goalie. So I went through and, and did that, and uh, I really really enjoyed that because I, I was competitive. Uh, I'm a big guy, and I was I was athletic, and um, you know I I kind of felt more accepted on the sports playing field than I did in the hallways. Yeah. So I felt a little more uh, connected there.
0: Yep. We're always searching for that connection, you know. And, I mean, you can't land someplace. Uh, sports is the one that especially, well, a lot of people uh, fall to. Right. Uh, Krista was on here, you know, and she went swimming. You mm-hmm. know, and so others, I was want to say, especially males, but it's not. That's baloney. Uh, right. It's, yeah, All of us can fi- find ourselves, we find a spot to fit in in a ball team or band or someplace we're looking for a spot to land.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We are. I um. I remember when I was in, uh, gosh, I was probably in, uh, I love to play basketball too, but a friend of mine uh, that I was re- referring to earlier, we used to always go to the University of Louisville basketball camp. And that was pretty fun because we were, uh, you know, in high school and we got to go down to the dorms and spend the week and eat on campus and, and all that stuff. and And I was down there and, Something started happening with my stomach, and I couldn't really figure out what it was. No, I, I guess it wasn't high school. It was, I was in early. It was in middle school. It was like sixth, maybe seventh grade, and um, my stomach was just started being so upset, and I couldn't control my bowels. And we started joking because every time I would like run down the court and play defense, and run back down the court, catch the ball, and shoot it, and I just had to keep running right on out the door and head straight to the bathroom. Hmm. Um, it got to be pretty tough, and I was going to the bathroom like 15, 20 times a day. Wow. And, uh, you know, I was six five, about 150, 55 pounds. I was skinny as a rail. And, um, <clears throat> you know, that brought some stuff up in, in me, and its uh, I have ulcerative colitis. I've had it since a young age, and um, I was always able to tell that my colitis was holding me back. Uh, And especially as I got older, uh, because my body attacks itself on a regular basis, I have arthritis really bad because of it, and also have fibromyalgia. Um, So I knew that stuff was holding me back because it was a direct relationship of of the symptoms of the, the diseases that I have there. And I always thought that was the only thing. And as I started working the program, I realized that I had this thing called character defects that we talk about in the rooms. And uh, that those defects had also been holding me back. So um, I got to learn about those. And it was freeing to know what they were. It was almost as freeing as, as when I found out that I had fibromyalgia because I always hurt. And I've had MRI on my neck, my back, my shoulders, my everything had a bazillion tests and all the tests always came back negative negative yeah. negative hmm. and it was always so frustrating it was like it's just your colitis it's just your colitis you're gonna have to learn how to deal with it and when it finally came back that i had fibromyalgia it was a kind of a relief
0: yeah i mean you it's know? uh there's a big relief in knowing what the problem is
1: there's definitely uh, a relief in that like
0: yeah that's step one sort of but that happens in other places in our life too like that mm-hmm. neat so when did you find that out because you knew about the colitis when you was in high school. is that? One, um, in middle school. Middle school, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. then you dealt with that. I guess you were just there with Medicaid hmm Did it control it?
1: I eventually went into what we call remission, um, so I don't have the struggle of going to the bathroom as much as I used to anymore. Um,
0: Isn't that um, something that flares up or not? It can flare up. Was yeah. it, you haven't experienced that too bad?
1: The only thing that I really have to deal with with my colitis is just uh, my body attacking itself. The arthritis and, and the aching joints and, and that, you yeah. know, that's, that's what I have to deal with there more than anything.
0: Do you take anything for that?
1: I've taken a lot of drugs for that. Uh, just about um, uh, everything as far as taking Humira, I've taken, it just seems like every drug that's on the market. A lot of stuff that, yeah. see,
0: try this, see, try that. Yeah.
1: And, but uh I'm not not very good at being told what to do. Yeah. <laughs> so I really never have taken the medicine very well. Yeah. So I didn't like the Humira. I didn't like shooting the I didn't like shooting myself with a needle. Yeah, I wouldn't like yeah. that either. I'd have a no. little
0: hesitancy to do that, no mm-hmm. doubt. For sure. So when did you start drinking?
1: My parents were both teachers, um so they um, were very aware of what was going on and they wanted to protect me from that and keep me away from it so they really guarded me another part of my story is that i actually had a brother that um i never really knew him uh but what i did know is that uh he was uh in prison uh for uh trying to commit arson and i really don't know what the whole story was but in a nutshell it was you know pay somebody off some drugs Hmm. So he got put in he got put in prison and then after he came out my parents did a lot to help him um and he um he was a half brother and he was excuse me almost double my age so I didn't really know him at all but you know he got out and uh things started happening and he uh um stealing from people and and all types of stuff I don't he was trying to gather money for some reason So we got a call on Christmas Day um, that, you know, after he'd been there, he actually committed suicide. Wow. And uh, he went back to his hometown and had stolen one of my father's guns and just, you know, did the deed in the church parking lot. Dang, man. So uh, my parents were extremely protective about what I could and couldn't do. So I was under a shell. About how old were you then? uh, I was about 18. Yeah. Yeah, I was about 18. So, I really didn't have much of a drinking experience in high school. Uh, when I went to Eastern, I did start to drink uh, a lot. Um, I liked Eastern, um, I toured a lot of campuses, but I liked Eastern. Uh, my dad went to school there and played ball there, and he was an All-American there, and I, I kinda liked that. I, I didn't realize that he still had connections 40 years later, Yeah. that he knew every single move I made. <laughs> I don't, to this day, I don't know how he knew every move I made, but he sure did. Uh, But Eastern was a little bit different animal because um, they had all these bars, Sutter's Mill and the Dog and the Cherry Pit and O'Reilly's. And the cool thing about those things for me at that time is that you only had to be 18 years old to get in. Hmm. And they would give you a red stamp if you were 18 or a black stamp if you were 21. So we would just, you know, wipe our hands clean and transfer over a black stamp and order a bourbon and coke and we're ready to go Uh, and you could always drink in the bars it was very easy and um but we would also drink before we went down and my my dad would always call me um every thursday night he would call me about eight o'clock because he knew everybody went to the bars about that time oh yeah so i knew i had to be sober and uh when he called so I, i was and then um, there was a guy from Somerset who kind of taught me how to chug whiskey. And I remember I, I would get like a half pint and kill it in two things and two gulps, and I was done. Head downtown, and we'd party till midnight and walk back to campus. When there wasn't really any driving, you could just walk. So right. I really started uh, that, that was the start of my drinking career. The first night I ever got drunk, I remember. Well, I guess I don't remember, but <laughs> <laughs> they they had said the beginning of it anyway. Yeah, they had said that I had like eight shots of slager and a couple of gin and tonics and um, maybe a couple of beers. I really don't remember, but I had I had had a lot, and that's a that's a lot for anybody, but for yeah. somebody that doesn't have a tolerance. Yeah, basically, kids. I was floored. I was just hammered. I don't re- remember how I got back to. I don't remember how I got back to my room. I don't remember. Um, I don't remember um who. If, I, I just have no idea how I got there. I do remember sitting on the steps in a bar and uh, kind of being passed out there, and and some people got me home, and I I don't couldn't tell you who it was. <laughs> you know, I had to have it
0: way overshooting the mark. I'd be out and I'd think I'm partying, you know, and the next mm-hmm. thing you know, I'm i have over, I've went past the limit, and and, mm-hmm. And I'm leaning to get something passed out or I'm in somebody's back seat or I'm, you know, and then when you wake up at home somehow, I'm not sure exactly. I do remember being drunker in hell and then then being home or being at somebody's home, Mm -hmm. you know, where we wake up and feel like hell.
1: Yeah. You know, and everybody, uh, down there was there, you know, that was everybody's kind of first experience around drinking. A lot of people were drinking like that. Everybody was getting really hammered Yeah, and, um, I I think that kind of shaped my perception of how people drink Uh, because it was then. But, you know, as I continued to drink through my, you know, up until about a year ago, I continued to drink that way. And most people don't do that.
0: Yeah. Normalizes. And you get that. I mean, it's the same way when your family drinks. It just becomes normal. It's not anything. Mm -hmm. If you talk to some people, you know, some families who grew up or some people who grew up where their parents didn't drink. Mm Mm-hmm it was a whole different experience you know coming it was to coming into into a alcoholic state right uh for me there's always a there, <clears throat> my mom and dad didn't drink like to excess i don't never i never remember any of that but i do remember alcohol always being around the family you know right and, uh, christmases and easters and any of the barbecues and you know all that kind of stuff but i don't ever remember seeing anybody like drunk
1: yeah we know, never had alcohol ever really around any family function period
0: yeah so he's like he was pretty sheltered to it till you got to college.
1: Yeah, my my father had always told me, you know, don't drink because, you know, you have alcoholism on in your family. And if well, you did don't, he? It, he warned you. Yeah, he 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 he, he said you can control what you put in your body, and if you don't drink, you won't be an alcoholic. That was his perception.
0: Well, I mean, if you never set off the, if you really did stay completely abstinent, I mean, you might have something else go on.
1: Well, really? you know, I, I had really? a lot of the other isms, though, you yeah. know, I mean, yeah, like we talked right. about exactly. in my in my uh, even the isolations and everything was my yeah. fault and I was a victim of everything. Um, you know, there was a lot of isms that were there. I just just wasn't drinking. Yeah. Um, I, I really I
0: understand that. I'm a full proponent of that. No doubt.
1: Yeah. I I heard someone toss the term around, you know, dry drunk uh, one day. And, um, you know, to me, that's just someone who doesn't drink but still has all the other isms. Yeah and uh for me um there's more to my alcoholism than just drinking
0: yep a whole lot no doubt yeah Uh, it's a mental illness for sure so you come you said i think you said you bounced around some colleges was it due to the alcohol uh well
1: um my my good buddy um we'll, we'll call him hb he um he and I were really close in and in, in, in high school. Back then we had uh Kentucky Kingdom had just opened up. And we thought it would be a good idea. Which is
0: an amusement park here locally.
1: Correct. Um but it just opened up and back then season passes were twenty nine ninety nine. Yeah. And as a you know, sixteen, eighteen year old boy I wanted to go there and <clears throat> go to the water park and we wanted to, you know, chase the girls. That's that's why we went for thirty dollars. For the whole summer it was a brilliant brilliant uh thing for us to do, so we went and we had some fun and uh we uh while I was there um there's a big sky bridge that over that goes across the big loop that goes around uh the fairgrounds because <clears throat> the park is actually at the, the the state fairgrounds and uh my buddy and I saw um this group of girls and, uh mm. let's see there was a uh, Right. There's five of them, two of us. We like the odds, <laughs> so we started talking, and uh, you know, long story short, that's that's when I met my wife. Oh, was uh, it? Yeah, and, was, and that was ninety four. So we dated all the way through high school, and we uh, dated through college. And she graduated. I graduated uh, a year before she graduated. So the first year I went to Eastern, and she was at home in high school. Second year, I went to Eastern, and she went to U of L. Uh, third year, she went to Western, and I thought, you know what? I'm kind of tired of this partying stuff. I want to go to to Western, and I want to. Um, I really want to like focus more on my studying because I I did a lot of partying at Eastern, uh, a lot, and
0: geographical cure. But if you moved, you can Yeah. And that's well, there's some validity to that some extent that you can like knock off a pattern, you know, but problem is everywhere I go, there I am.
1: Right. Well uh, Bring and i me think with me. Right. And uh, you know, I watched this video. I went through a <clears throat> through a rehab program and they showed this video, uh can I talk about the name of the video and who it was? It's on YouTube. I imagine. So it was uh Change Your Brain, Change Your Life and it was about a guy named Daniel Amen or something <laughs> like that and uh, it showed about what and how like, alcohol affects your brain. Well, so I went to you know, and th- this you know back and forth a little bit here, but you know, I-, I did that about a year ago. So it gave me an understanding of what alcohol did to my brain. Well, I went to Western and um back in college to get serious about my studies and I really studied hard. I really dove in. Uh Western was a big fraternity thing and um uh, You know, I knew my parents were not going to let me join a fraternity. And, uh, you know, they at Western, you know, the fraternities don't want some strange guy coming to their parties. You know, at least that's the way I felt. Uh, So I didn't party much, or maybe that was just the excuse I used, but I really didn't party. And I sat uh, in my room uh, with my roommate uh, and my girlfriend at the time, studied a lot, played a lot of rummy. I really worked hard. um, And I came home with an A in library and four D's. Really? I was so discouraged. Extremely discouraged by that. And um, but I knew that I'd given it everything that I had. You know, but I looking back on it, I probably had so much problems with my school and remember thing based on what the alcohol had done to my brain hmm. the previous two years. I really struggled with that. I also have ADHD, so that made it a little bit different as well. But um, you know, I think that the alcohol played a role in what my grades were. Because I was already struggling to be a C student. Yeah. You know. So I went there and, um, you know, I went to Western for a semester. And bombed. Bombed hard. (laughs) What happened after that? Mm -hmm. So I came
0: home. uh, And... So you've been some college at Eastern, some college at Western, but not really getting any traction on any kind of... Real education, like progress.
1: I mean, I was doing okay. I mean, I was passing my classes. I mean, I had, you know, probably C average, whatever at Eastern. Um, <clears throat> when I went to Western, it 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 changed. Yeah, and that that really, um, you know, I really bombed that, and I was really worried about what my parents were going to say about me having that those grades. And I was just like, you know what, I don't care. I tried, yeah. did everything I could. Too bad. So um, I came home and.
0: Like drop out of school came home
1: or summer? No, I came home uh, for the, I don't remember if it was a spring or summer, uh, but I, I came home and uh, um, started attending JCC. I think it came home for the summer. Which a
0: community I, college here in Louisville.
1: Correct, yeah. And uh, I started working selling cell phones in, in the summer for a temp agency. Got pretty good at it and decided that I would, do that part-time uh, so I started selling cell phones part-time uh, did really well with that and then I was going to school full-time at, in the 90s no this was in the 2000s early 2000s yeah early 2000s so I uh, started going to JCC and I was working full-time um, and I had a part-time job and I was staying at home um, but I was making big bucks for working part-time I and mean, I don't I don't really remember how much I made, but I made, I had more money than, than, um, I I had enough money to support my drinking problems and still have enough money. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, uh, and living at home and I was living at home. Yep. Sure was. That
0: saves a lot of money.
1: No bills. I, I did have a, a nice Nissan 200. Uh, I was, I'm 6'5", in this little hatchback car. It was so fun to drive, though. It was a little bitty car, five-speed. Man, it was fun to drive, but I like a big ogre getting out of that thing. (laughs) (laughs) But it was fun, and uh, golly, what all happened. So um, I went to – I I still struggled in school, working part-time and going to school full-time. I still didn't do very well at the community college. So I got looking into it, and I said, um, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to work full time because if I go to work full time, <clears throat> they'll pay for my school. So now I can really make money and they'll pay for my school and I won't go into debt. So I did that and I took a, went to school part time and I switched it around. And that did help a little bit. Uh, and then I had a really bad car wreck, uh, like uh, somebody pulled out in front of me. Uh, on On the north side of the Ohio River, I, I think they call the place Indiana. Yeah, they have initials about everything, like DTM and G and G, and I don't, I don't know what all G and G. You know, you know, there's all these initials.
0: I, I don't. Get That's it. the way we go. It's all coded up here. In the it's north. all coded. Yeah. So that you, so that you Southerns out in Kentucky can't find your way around over here. So did TSSR get the name right. on that's this not, side of the yeah, river yeah, that or was on, me. On, on the other yeah. side of the river? Yeah, right? I'm the one that created that acronym. <laughs> first time I actually made something for Christopher a box. Yeah, that's it. That, he used it for the like the juice jar for the donation yeah. box. I saw first. that it says TSSR on it when I made it to him. I handed it to him. He goes, and, and you can see he was embarrassed, you know. And he goes, "What does that stand for?" <laughs> <laughs> it's a 12-step spiritual recovery it goes oh I, it, I, it has
1: a nice ring to it i like the way it kind of it's like short and brief It's yeah. like boom
2: yeah
1: oh yeah that thing i got
0: it so when you said G G, what was you talking about the radiator shop up here that's right <laughs> how do you know that because we drove past it just down so that's the only reason you know it because it's like yeah. a little bit like legendary here yeah like, so heard. the sports drum, you know the the speedway over in jeffersonville you know they had like G and G sponsored down their G and G cars, G and G radiators. Like, I mean, for a little shop like what it is, yeah. Everybody knows what it is in New Albany or New. You know, and it's still going up there. It's you know, like you can drive
1: past a shop like that and I really know nothing about it, but it's yeah. just kind of a small thing. But yeah. like well, driving, I have past no idea that, what it stands for. I definitely, know, I, I definitely get the feeling that there's a guy in there that knows what he's doing. Yeah, right. It right. He like, definitely well, knows what he's no doing. Doubt. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, you know, grandma knows how to cook. She's getting, you know, the, the old wisdom is there. When you drive past that shop, you can probably feel the wisdom. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. And there's, a, you know, I grew up right here and uh, all those little, because there's little shops up and down through there. And right next door to it was a little real old fashioned drugstore on the other side of the street there. And it was one of them little, little bitty drugstores, you know, and had you go in there and get candy. And it's one thing I ever got there was candy. Yeah. I think they may even had a soda thing in there.
1: Really? Interesting. Yeah. Well, so I, have, I had this really bad wreck, and I got... Um, in that 200? In that 200, I totaled it. Guy pulled out and had a... Uh, it was a big pickup truck. It's kind of a, like a mechanic's truck. It had steel toolboxes on down the side. And I was getting on um, Interstate 65 over by Exit 4, and there was a road called Broadway. And I, as soon as I was there the guy just bam and uh, that that really really jacked me up you were sober though i was sober i was actually going to um get coverage maps for the uh, store that i worked for as i worked cell phone coverage maps. yeah Yeah. cell phone coverage map because back then you had like a home area yeah instead of being able to travel you know and back then it was 1999 for 20 minutes or something it was 30 minutes or whatever <laughs> totally different world than what uh what what we have now but uh, totaled the car and uh hit my head and uh that really messed me up because i uh i uh, had to go to counseling i had to be I, I they they said i was bipolar um i was depressed it really rocked my world and uh i had a big argument with my parents about it because felt like I needed to get a lawyer because I had all these medical bills and stuff like that. And at that time, you know, I was, I think I was still living at home and I was on their insurance and all that stuff. And he's like, no, you're not filing the thing." I'm like, yeah, I am. Watch me. Uh. So, um, I, um, ended up getting a lawyer and, uh, filed suit against the whole thing. And, um, <clears throat> I, I got a, awarded some money and, uh, we took the money and my wife and I eventually got married off that money. Uh, but man it really it really messed me up and that really started my drinking because I had to start going to this counselor um and seeing him and I remember um I think my drink really started elevating And now that I'm excuse me, kinda unpacking my story.
0: And um that Thai food that, that Josh brought is getting to him. <laughs> it is. It's so good though. <laughs> it is really, really good. Josh brought in some uh some some pad Thai and some couple different kinds of curry that we uh, jammed down on before we started the uh, podcast tonight so thank you for bringing dinner i, I was starving yeah. i just come out of a hour-long yoga practice and when i sit down i don't think i've ate much today man i'm like <laughs>
2: it's delicious
0: shovel. yeah it is really there's good. a
1: little small mom and pop place over on the good side of the river yeah uh where called, all the good cooking is right called salatai. and uh man if, if if you like Thai food and you're in this area someplace definitely check out
0: yeah and now we can now i know it's down uh, again it's getting to you <laughs> it is that's okay no big deal man as i always say that the listeners this, this thing is real man that's what happens and yeah get what you get it's it's here come into the dtm studios
1: the dtm see those initials i like it yeah so uh yeah so i had this wreck and it totally uh messed me up and uh i struggled and i really started drinking uh a lot um, during that time and I had to go see this counselor and I was so freaked out about going to see a counselor because to me and my family it was uh, you know counseling was a bad thing you know and I'm a man and I don't need this type of stuff and I should you know I'm not supposed to have feelings and all that but uh, my feelings were out of control. My, my, I, was, I remember I was at and I was completely out of control. Uh, my, my sales numbers were almost 200% of goal every month for a year and a half when I was selling phones. And then the month after the wreck, it had dropped to less than 80%. Wow. Uh, totally, totally messed me up. And, uh, you know, and in, in, in you talk about uh, ironic events. So my manager at the cell phone store was the daughter of uh, the guy that my brother tried to burn his barn down. Oh, yeah? Absolutely. And I think that that was a really great opportunity. Um, And we didn't know until I was hired and, you know, we were kind of several months into working together and, you know, we have a, um, I wouldn't say we have a friendship today, but we're still connected via social media. And we had a 20 year get together reunion not that long ago and and she couldn't make it. But what was important to me out of that was that I got to learn a little bit about her and who she was and what her family was about and, I think she got to learn a little bit about me as well and uh, so that was just always real interesting uh, you know that that happened so um, so going back into all this uh, stuff you know I really did struggle with the alcohol with with alcohol that's what I really started drinking hard there but uh, looking back and unpacking my story the one thing we talk about in the rooms a lot is fixed manage, control and I think that as you listen and that's the stuff that I talked about I was really trying to fix, manage, control everything in my life at that point in time. You know, the drinking had started, but yeah, that was right there. had no clue.
0: Juggling.
2: Yeah.
1: Fix, manage,
0: control. Crazy. How old do you think you were? Hmm. You weren't married yet. No. So let's fast forward up to that you drinking, and so my uh, I'm uh, not four, uh, but take me from like with well, this job and this. this so this that would have been
1: like around, oh one or 02 because I took <clears throat> my wife. She when she graduated from Western, I took her on a trip to Myrtle Beach. And um, hmm, I remember flipping out on some guy in the parking lot at a at a, at a grocery store down there because he looked at me funny. I was ready to rip his head off. I don't even know what happened. So that was probably oh one, maybe not even 01, 2000 maybe somewhere in that range. Yeah, was
0: so, that just rage or
1: is that drinking? Um, I think it was just a result of the rage, and you know, I'm sure drinking. We 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 were drinking and stuff at the pool, but we were kind of just had beer. I was a bourbon guy. I didn't like beer. It made me bloated. I always drink bourbon. So. Uh, we got married uh, in two thousand and two, and you're gonna, you're gonna, just, I, I have to say this, you're, you're gonna, you've got me here. We got married at a small Methodist church on Silver Street in New Albany.
0: Did you really? We sure did. Silver Street's just right there. Yeah. Just two blocks over.
1: Yeah, and then there was a there was a reception hall. Um, <clears throat> I can think of. At Two or a,
0: three church on Silver Street,
1: and that's it. Yeah, it was Silver Street United Methodist.
0: This one on the corner.
1: I guess. Haven't been out here really much since then. Yeah, and then we had the reception at the at the Robert E Lee. Really? Yeah.
0: Huh. How come is it her family from Romney or?
1: No, well you know we we wanted an October wedding. Yeah, and, and that's we, where
0: the places were available. Yeah,
1: and it was one of the places <laughs> go that go was available, and North. we booked it. <laughs> you know, we looked around everywhere for we looked around everywhere for uh, venues and you know back then that's every the
0: First Assembly of God up here I think is what is they called. Is it,
1: call it. did not have initials? I don't think so. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there's Robert E. Lee, you know, that was up here, so um that's where we had that's our reception retirement home now. Yeah, that's what it was then too, was but they it? had this big banquet area and yeah. finger food sandwiches were all like $11. $12 everywhere we went and looked. And here we could have, my wife Four. was a very picky yeah. eater. So we had a full, like, fried chicken, mashed potatoes, green beans, corn, all the country fixings, whatever you want to have. And it was like 14 bucks a person. And they had, a, you know, we had an open bar and they gave you your first keg for free. And, um, you know, I was like, okay, let's do it. So we did it. Yeah. And uh, we found out a little bit later why the date was available. So they have a special event here in New Albany. I'll let you talk about it, but it's harvest called homecoming. Harvest Homecoming.
0: So you had you got married during Harvest Homecoming time? Yep, sure did. So nobody so on was same, had- on
1: Harvest Homecoming Day or whatever. I guess it's a weekend thing, but yeah, it's it like Thursday Saturday.
0: through Sunday is what it's a. Well, but it's a it's a little bit longer now because like the weekend before that they have a parade and then they have all them booths and stuff all open down in New Albany, where you close off the streets and, and yep from Thursday to Sunday. So you had it during that.
1: We sure did, <laughs> and it all came off good. Imagine, that. yeah, yeah, it all went good. So, um that's golly. funny. So we were married in '02, and um,
0: drinking was progressing.
1: I was drinking, you know. I was drinking. We had moved. I had a friend that I lived with uh, an apartment complex in in Mall called Mallgate. Uh, and I lived, he and I lived together and I was working at the, the, the cell phone store across the street from, uh, the Oxmoor Mall. So I was really close and I, I was, I moved in with him, you know, we drank a lot. You know, we were, then, you know, we were 21 and we had our bar routines down. Uh, we were, you know, Monday night was Yucatan liquor stand. No, I'm sorry. That was Tuesday night, Monday or Tuesday. I don't remember. Wednesday night was Phoenix Hill Tavern. Thursday night was Bar-Oval, Friday night was Bar-Oval, some nights Friday night we'd go to Eastern, you know, we would just be around Saturday night, we'd go out, we we drank a lot, played poker. Um,
0: One thing I can remember is when I didn't drink every day, and I basically just drank on the weekends, Yeah. but it started, what I say, it started collapsing on me, and I added Thursday to the weekend, you know, so then I started drinking Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then I started drinking on Sunday cuz I'd drink while I was watching fo guys were watching football or mm-hmm. racing NASCAR or something. Right. That made a good enough excuse to start drinking on Sunday too. And you know, and it just collapsed and the next thing I knew, I mm-hmm. was just all of a sudden drinking, you know, I looked up and I was drinking every day.
1: Yeah. Well, we we were everything revolved around drinking.
0: Yep. Everything Whether was, was playing around
1: cards it. or if it was going out to whatever whatever bar, it was all
0: um Revolved around making sure there's alcohol involved. Yeah.
1: Watching football on Sundays and cooking out. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Then we get the NFL Sunday ticket and all get together, play poker, drink beer, and.
0: But the the apartment living was before the marriage, right? Yeah,
1: that uh, was before the marriage. Yeah, okay. I'm jumping around a little bit, but yeah, it That's was okay. before the marriage. So then um, my wife's father passed away from lung cancer, and then my buddy and I, we, um, you know, he he moved in with his girlfriend. Uh, who's now his, his wife as well? Uh, and they started living together, and then I moved in with my wife and her <clears throat> mom at their house because I was trying to help them out a little bit and you know just kind of mowing the yard and doing things that needed to be done. And uh, eventually, um, we um, her mom got her got her own apartment, and my wife and I got <clears throat> our own apartment, but we were still real close. And, um, you know, we, we were there together and, you know, we would hang out and do things and, you know, still a lot of stuff revolved around drinking. You know we, we She had, drank too? Yeah, yeah. You know, she, we, but we've all, we, we, had been toge- we had been together for so long. We were always a big advocate of, and I'm still an advocate of this today, is that I want her to have her life outside of me and I want to have my life outside of her. And I also want to have a life together. Uh, I, I want her to be able to go out with her friends and do things with her friends, and yep. I want to go out with my friends. Yep. Um, so I used to go out. Um, you know, we we were living together, but I started going out to the bars a lot then with a buddy of mine, and we were just really big into shooting and pool. And we would go out after work. We worked together. We would go out to work and <clears throat> go out after work together, and <clears throat> uh, you know, get there at five o'clock and leave at three o'clock in the morning. You know and just constant. So we lived together, my wife and I lived together for a while, but uh, I was spending more time out drinking in the bars than I was being um, a husband.
0: I remember pool was a big piece of my drinking. It was the way we warmed up. We'd always start at the pool hall. Yeah. And there there's always a time when I was really good. I don't remember how many, it was like 3.73 beers. Three point seven three. like that, when i'd be really good pool player right and then <laughs> i go over the hump right you know, like two beers i wasn't very good right and i don't know where that spot was but i yeah. remember it was like if i could just stay this good right D- here did you ever
1: stay. use the excuse like i'm gonna have a couple of beers that like calm nerves, it makes me a st- st- steadier oh yeah pool player. yeah you always had to have a couple before could yeah. really
0: yeah. you could really play you just knock balls around for a little bit
1: yeah knock them around and, you know, if I've missed a couple easy shots, I probably need another one. Yeah. You know, yeah. I always had some sort of excuse for that. We
0: used to get Budweiser's and a shot of uh, Cuervo. Wow. Jose, you know, another Bud, two Buds, two Cuervos. And we'd sit and, you know, you'd drink the tequila and then finish the beer and then order another. Wow. And shoot pool. Until you could you know, and then yeah. there'd be some points, you know, there where it's time to go move on to whatever's next because this was just a little down-home New Omni yeah. pool hall that uh, you could get started at and get going and then yeah. move on. And a lot of times we'd end up back there, like, in the middle of the night. Yeah. You know, there was already all – everything else was all kind of done. Plus, I was, like, getting a little bit closer to home. Yeah. And you didn't have so far to drive. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, there was a bar <clears throat> bar down at uh, Mid-City Mall, which is on Bardstown Road uh, here in Louisville. And there's a little bar – um, that kind of little back corner. Uh, there was a little back door that went into it, and uh, there was a lot of really good pool players back there at the time. And back at that time, you could smoke in the bars, and yeah. you you could barely walk into that pool room without. I mean, you couldn't see anything in front of you because there was so much smoke in there. Yeah, uh, I remember that but, too. But the pool tables were—you could find good games on the pool tables there. Yeah. And, um, but, but I I didn't like beer. Never was a beer drinker. Every now and then. Yeah. I would have a beer. Uh, maybe I like, like a Guinness. I like the darker beers. Didn't really like the carbonated beers very much because they always made me bloated. Uh, so I couldn't couldn't really drink them. So I, yeah. I would get there and just start drinking bourbons. Like yeah. what?
0: Hmm? Like how?
1: Oh, bourboning. Well, bourboning and diet.
0: And some kind of soft drink mix yeah. cocktail.
1: But <clears throat> that specific bar uh, pours their drinks extremely strong. And, you know... Gosh, I would walk out of there with a, you know, I think at the time they were two fifty, maybe two seventy five, and I'd walk out of there with a sixty dollar bar tab yeah. easily, yeah, and then drive home. How how I never
0: got a DUI, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, I never gave a yeah. Well, I did. I had three, but uh, mm-hmm. but I had two before I was. I had one at sixteen and one at nineteen, and then again another one until I was thirty eight years old. <laughs> wow. But hey, how I? But I got pulled over a lot of times. Yeah. In past field sobrieties, or get told, you know, I was close enough to home. Right. They just tell you go on, and get your ass home. Mm-hmm. We,
1: my buddy and I, we. Uh, oh man, see, so he was such a good buddy, and I, and I, we're we're not uh, close anymore. Um, we haven't talked in a long time, and I, I do miss him dearly, um, and I hope that uh, one day we'll be able to reconnect. Uh, but boy we we spent a lot of time and a lot of money down there and and though at that bar, and we't you we know, we did not go a lot of places that that was our kind of go to. We went there and we drank, and that's what we did um, but you know that was like Monday night, and then we'd maybe go out on Wednesday and then we'd go out on Friday or Saturday, and he and I were about doing that, but at the whole same time you know i'm 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 a married guy, you know, I wasn't really out trying to pick up girls and stuff, you know if they were there talking sure we'd talk to them, but I wasn't trying to you know, do any of that. Uh, I was just going out to shoot pool and get drunk. That's what I wanted to do. And then, you know, I would come home and, uh, but you know, that many nights a week away from my wife at home and we're newlyweds, you know, I was, I was full force going. Um, probably could have been doing other things on those nights, cause, Sure, you know, but, uh, I was working all that time too, you know, uh, Had to be at work at seven, eight o'clock in the morning. You can go out and party at three or four in the morning, come home, get a little sleep, get up, go to work every day. Um, And I think that there's a a really big misconception that uh, alcoholics don't have willpower. Yeah, no doubt. Have you ever heard of that?
0: Get, yeah, we always talk about that. That you know, it's a lack of willpower, or not, we you know will be put on us, or people will be in here that think that just not if they would try hard enough, they'd be able to stop drinking. Right. Yeah, and you talk about the willpower, drag your ass into work when you got one thump or fucking headaches, and your eyes look like you know, wally coyote after he gets run over by the train.
1: Uh, right. Willpower. <laughs> you know, I can fast forward on that just a little bit, but. Later on in life, my wife and I we we had three kids, and I I do a lot of coaching, and so I would always coach three different teams of soccer at the YMCA, and uh, you know I would stay up till three o'clock in the morning, drinking half a fifth of bourbon, maybe more, smoking a pack of cigarettes. Had to be at the soccer fields at eight o'clock in the morning to coach soccer. Yeah. Never missed a game.
0: Huh. Yep, man, you're right. That's why the other thing says when well, once they harness us and we get us on the right track, we're hell of workers. That's true. <laughs> Most of the time. Yeah. So um let's progress the uh, disease along a little bit as you got you got married and you're still drinking like that. You're going out every night after work, probably telling yourself you deserved it, right? You worked hard. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I drank over good stuff and bad stuff. Any decision I needed to make over. Well, know, I mean, you know, you're just if to. you're
0: married and that kind of stuff, you're doing some kind of the head game to not go home.
1: No, my wife was. Uh, was she she not there. Back. You know, she did. She, you know, I was very honest. You know, I'm gonna go out and go drink. She, she didn't. It was
0: okay. Yeah. Well, I met with myself. How do I justify not going home every night? you know i mean you got to know that this married thing unless that was that wasn't modeled for you as a kid that's not what your dad did no they were home right. um, together so you know, like they you know what there's something going on that told you it was okay to leave after work and not go home i guess and then go out drinking well, and drinking i just wanted on. to do what i wanted to do yeah yeah you know, that the most people tell most been, men say that they, you know, they've worked hard all day by God. And I'll go, when I get off work, I'll do what I need to do, what I want to do. You know, and a lot of people, this is like, i come home and I thought, you know, I bust my ass all day long, man, I deserve a drink. No, you'd have no rationalizing that. No, <laughs> I just did what I
1: wanted to do. If I wanted to go out, I went out. when you know, my wife didn't, didn't bother me about mm. it. It was just like, you know, okay. My wife's very laid back. Um, uh,
0: that's one not one really of the most the vibe things I got
1: towards the end
0: huh <laughs> that's not the vibe I was understanding towards the end
1: yeah no my wife is very laid back she's she's one of those people if you if you can't get along with her she's you probably can't get along with yeah too many people she's very easy long to get along with real soft-spoken um um my first girlfriend um who was, we're still kind of in contact as i talked about all the soccer games my first girlfriend and wife ended up we ended up having kids on the same team and I coached with her husband but uh, my very first girlfriend she she had a very strong personality and uh, I knew that just didn't mix for me so one of the things that really attracted me to my wife was that she was kind of quiet and kind of easygoing um, and um, you know that's still an attraction for me today for her because I, I just doesn't didn't she didn't get uh, ruffled about some of that stuff, you know, to kind of let me do what I wanted to do. Yep. So, um,
0: you had a couple kids. Yep.
1: Yeah, we had a couple kids. We drank right through that. Yep. Yeah. Night that, uh, my daughter was born, uh, <clears throat> I remember I was sitting down to watch a replay of a Kentucky versus Georgia football game, and I just poured myself a, bur- a bourbon. And it was late at night, you know, the replay was going and she um she went into labor, so we had to we had to go to the hospital. Uh I you know, looking back on that, you know, I guess higher power thing, you know, we talk about the higher power a lot and um I uh, I had poured the drink and maybe I'd had a sip or two, but I hadn't had enough. I hadn't really had anything, you know, uh versus had that been two hours later, i probably been several deep into into my bourbon and coke. And that would have been a bad situation, because how would I have gotten my wife to the hospital? Yeah. Um so that there was something there that really you know, really had my back. Um so uh first child was born in two thousand and two. Um no I no, see. Uh, that's not right hold on 2006 first, first one was 6 second one was 8 third one was 9 2006, 8, and 9 um, hmm so um, we had kids and um, we were still living in Bullock County and um, her mother was living with us at the time and uh, um, you know I, I just drank you know there I would start building fires and hanging out outside and drinking and still go out to the bars and drink and and all that and then um, we eventually moved in Jefferson County and a buddy of mine uh, that I was I was always going out with, um, he he got a DUI, and you know that was kind of a wake up call for me. I didn't get the DUI, but he got one. I was like, ah, I don't know about that, you know. I don't want to get that happen. So we started, you know, fixing managing control again, and all that went away. And um, after he and I quit talking, um, um, you know, he was my go out drinking buddy together. I, I had I have a couple other buddies I was really close with as well, but. One of them lives out towards Shelbyville. And, you know, I was kind of in the J-Town area, which, you know, that's probably, you know, a 30 minute drive <clears throat> from each other. But I started sitting at home um, and uh, I got myself a hot tub because I was always hurting over all my ailments and started drinking a lot because I had I mean, kept drinking. I you know, started using that excuse I'm, I'm hurting, so I'm going to drink. I'm hurting, so I'm going to drink. As long as I get up, and go to work, I don't have a problem. Right. You know, as long as I'm not hiding my liquor. I don't have a problem. Yeah. You know, because I never really did have my liquor. I just, I just had it there. Like, here it is. <laughs> you can't call bullshit on me if it's just throwing it right out there. So, um, I moved, we, you know, I, st- I started spending time by myself alone in the hot tub drinking almost every other night, half a fifth every other night. Uh, I was drinking those, uh, you know, those big tumbler cups. And it was, um, I think I used to, to measure it and it would be, you know, eight or nine shots and no, that's not right. Maybe full, maybe it was three or four shots per glass, which ended up being nine to 12 shots a night or something. I don't know. It was always end up half a fifth or three quarters of a fifth, pretty, pretty close. And, uh, you know, I would, uh, just sit out there and, you know, manipulate my wife to come with me. And, and the thing about me going out to get in the hot tub, you know, most people think, well, hey, you know, you go out and sit in the hot tub for, what, you know, an hour? Uh, I was out there for six to eight hours sitting in the hot tub, drinking four, three big tumblers of bourbon and cup every other night. And my wife was like, I hate the hot tub. I'm tired of getting in the hot tub. I don't want to sit in the hot tub. And uh, then she'd eventually just kind of quit coming out with me as much. Yeah. And yeah. I was isolating. I was drinking more.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I really uh, can't blame her. I mean, who, uh, hot tubs are cool, but
1: <laughs> I, I wouldn't sit anywhere every night. I tell you what, I don't know how to cook myself. Six, you know, because I I keep it pretty hot, hundred two, hundred three. Yeah, you're know, in that for six, eight hours. It's crazy. So started isolating there and, um, all these problems start showing up. Uh, well, problems begin to surface in my marriage and, and she's not happy, but, um, she's, you know, I am so centered on myself as long as I'm doing what I want to do. I thought everything was going well. And I was totally blind to the fact that she wasn't happy. You know, I was blind to the fact, and I missed that she really wasn't telling me about her day anymore. Because she used to tell me about her day, but every time she would tell me something, I would start telling her what to do and how to fix it and what she should and shouldn't do. And that really started rubbing her the wrong way. So she started to be quiet. And she, uh, she I didn't even notice she wasn't talking to me. You know, she would just say to me, she would just, you know, we would talk about, you know, the sports game of the day, that whichever kid was involved in, what was going on at work. She always kept me talking about myself. That was wonderful for me because I love to talk about myself. And uh, just totally missed the whole fact that uh, she was tuned out, you know. Yep. And, um she came to me in September of 2017 and told me she wasn't happy and that uh, she wanted to separate. So then I went into fixed manage control mode and I was like, you know, let's fix everything. So all the stuff that she wanted me to do, she was complaining about me being critical. She was complaining about all the stuff and and um, <clears throat> we had been going to see a counselor Together for a while Like maybe three or four years We've been seeing this counselor Who who we really thought was great Um, And uh, The counselor was really good um, But I don't know if the counselor Had a lot of experience With alcoholism Um, They talked to me a lot about Hey, you know, just try to control your drinking, you know, or, okay, if I want to stop drinking, then then what do you do? And it was, you know, Hey, um, and you you can work with me on it. You know, we can kind of do that here or, you know, you can go to a facility. Um, you know, looking back on that, uh, she, she never did say, Hey, go check out an AA meeting, go to a couple of AA meetings. And, um, excuse me, I don't know. And I probably would not have been open to hear that at that point in time anyway. Uh, but so she tells me in September of 2017 that she wanted to separate. You know, uh, that that was pretty crushing to me. You know, this is my, my sweetheart. Uh, you know, I always uh, cared tremendously for her. And uh, I didn't want anything to happen uh, to our relationship. And I was like, you know, well, just give me a little bit. We'll fix it. So... Uh, You know, let's just say I've always looked at it like a piece of pie, and there was uh, eight things in eight slices of that pie, and she wanted me to fix eight of them, and I fixed seven of them, in my mind, um, but I didn't fix the one that was the drinking, and I didn't realize that the drinking was kind of like the cherries that went through the whole pie. Yeah. um so you know i thought things were going well you know okay i fixed all this stuff i'm not this way and you know my ego's taking over and i'm like hey, you know this is great and we're doing fine and blah 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 and then i remember her she had had a counseling session with the uh, uh with the counselor and uh, you know come to find out that that the counselor and her had kind of been plotting her separation from me for a while i would see the counselor by myself she would see the counselor by herself every time I would see the counselor, the counselor would say, so how are things going at home? And, uh, that would be it. You know, she wouldn't say anything all, but while they were having the other meetings, uh, with her, they were planning the separation. So she had been to the counselor and she came home and she told me that, um, you know, she didn't sell anything to me. She didn't, she didn't say anything to me. And I remember that I was just picking this vibe up and, uh, from her that she there was something bothering her and it pissed me off that she wouldn't tell me what was wrong you know you know there's my ego stepping in like you or she not to tell me what's going on you know I'm her husband and she needs to tell me what's going on you know and I had that whole thing and then I played the victim card and uh and I went down we have a bedroom in our basement so I, I went downstairs to sleep in the bedroom for a couple nights and just you know I'm I'm, I'm gonna show her I'm the victim here you know And um, I don't remember how it happened. I don't remember if it was through a text or something. She was, you know, upstairs and I was down in the basement. But she came down one night and she told me, you know, that that night, you know, um, you know, when my my ass hit the fire was, uh, you know, she told me, she was like, okay, well, here's what's going on. I'm not happy. All this has happened. We've had time to fix everything. I want a divorce and I want to leave you. You know, at this point in time,
0: my wife... So, like, just, for, just to back up a minute, you was really showing her something when she wanted to get rid of you and you were going down to the basement to sleep. <laughs> to punish her. <laughs> she probably happy, probably good. She's probably happy you were gone. That's yeah, right, because, you know, I've point. been drinking,
1: probably been out in the hot tub, all that stuff, and having
0: that good drunk snore. And, um, yeah. Go on downstairs in yeah. the guest bedroom. That's just fine
1: with me. <laughs> she didn't want to be around me anyway. Yeah. <laughs> she so, really okay, did.
0: she presented you with this divorce thing. and
1: Yeah, and... um. Golly, it, uh, you know, I, again, was so stuck up in myself, I, I didn't see what was going on. And that hit me, you know, I felt like Mike Tyson walked in the room and just leveled me. I was totally shocked. Yeah. Um. But I, uh, sh- she's always been um, important to me. And there was there was no way that I was going to let her go. You know, I thought I, before I thought I could get by with um, drinking and it would be all right. But at, at that point in time, I realized that if there was any chance for me to salvage our marriage, that um, I had to stop drinking. Um, and quite frankly, at that point in time, I didn't know I have a I didn't know I had a problem at all.
0: Still didn't. You know, I just you needed to quit, but you didn't know you had a problem. I know she wanted me to quit, but you know, yeah, you needed to quit because she was pissed. Yeah, Uh, but you didn't necessarily need to quit because you felt like it was a problem for you. I just liked to drink.
1: I didn't have a problem. You know, I just liked to drink.
0: Yep, I get it. I'm just clarifying that point.
1: Yeah, it definitely is there, and um, you know, I um, took off work. We 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 both took off work the next day. Neither one of us went in and and we sat there and the kids were at school and we, we talked about stuff and, um, you know, probably beat it to a dead horse. You know, I don't, I don't know if anybody else relates to that, but boy, I can get on something and just kick it and beat it and talk about it till it's, till it's dead. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so we did that that day and, you know, kind of got somewhere and. I really understood that, okay, I, I, I was going to have to, you know,
0: sh- the drinking was an issue. So, so she made that point. She told you this is the deal, Josh. She it's told the me, drinking.
1: She, she told me the drinking was, and she, she wasn't happy with that. But drinking was part of the issue, you know,
0: part, but what was the issue?
1: She just wasn't happy. You know, I, I don't,
0: she didn't give you any kind of stuff. Like you were never there. You're not emotionally available. You're,
1: you know, it was critical about everything. She felt like she was walking on eggshells. Um, mm-hmm. She didn't know what type of mood I was going to be in. You know, our our book talks about Dr. Yep. Jack and Mr. Yep. Hyde. She had
0: no idea. That's what I'm getting at. What are yeah. some of these things? Oh, Cause yeah. I mean, she... Um because it usually really, just again, the drinking is just that symptom thing, right? Correct. I mean, it's the rest of that stuff that, you know, if we could somehow drink and not piss them off oh, yeah. and do all that, it wouldn't be a big deal, you know? So uh, it's yeah. it's the behaviors and, uh, and the actions and the way we shut down oh, yeah. and we, we're self that selfish, self-centered and all that yeah. that's wrapped around the drinking that tends to be the problem yeah. for us and others.
1: I really don't know how she stayed with me as long as she did because I was such a critical person the whole time, I, you know?
0: We well, are lifelong sweethearts almost. Yeah. I mean, and um, you get that's another one of them things, man. You're like, you know, I'm sure to some level, she kind of a little bit felt stuck.
1: She, uh, thought everything was her fault. Really? I had really done a lot to convince her. Everything was her fault. And, um, I, um, she, she felt that way for a long time, but, um, Oh, uh, hold on. Let me clear this up a second. In my head. um, I was just really hard to be around because she didn't cook a lot, but when she did cook, I would fuss at her for how she was cooking the meal. Yeah, like she didn't do it the way I wanted her to do it, so she would be in trouble or
0: discontented.
1: It, very, yeah, you know, or or uh, you know, why didn't she bring the trash cans up? When Irritable, she got yeah, and I was <laughs> mad about it, and I wasn't shy about letting her know about it either um so i was always kind of ripping her head off okay and uh so where we go
0: with the divorce and
1: that so um the next day the following day so that was a thursday we both took off the friday the next day um i had a i had a job uh that i i was working that i didn't want to be at and i I just knew I, – I just hated it. It was totally demoralizing for me. I was doing some sort of door-to-door sales, and, and I don't want to get into talking about that company. Um, but I was doing door-to-door sales, and I I just uh, was totally miserable. And I really didn't care if I had the job or not. I just didn't care. Like They could fire me or not. I'd go on about it. So that Friday she went back to work, and I drove myself around and went to – um several different um rehabilitation centers in louisville and um
0: drug alcohol treatment centers drug
1: and alcohol treatment centers here in louisville there was one down i don't even remember it, where it was it's so
0: so foggy. all those locations really the timelines and the exact locations don't matter man
1: yeah well they they did to me though yeah. because you know, I went to all of them, and I and and I went to. Those, I mean, you didn't listen
0: to the story and to the contents context of it, yeah. The exact location, yeah. Know, yeah. So I would not worry about being able to like come up with it.
1: Yeah, well, I went to I, I went to one that was downtown, and I was really shocked by the way that people looked because I, I didn't look like any of those people. I was like, I don't have these problems, and
0: whatever. Like a healing I, place kind of joint or something that was more that, on that. That's yeah. it exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah. I went there. And I, and I hung out down there for about two hours, and I talked to a guy down there, and yada yada yada, and he was like, "Check yourself in. You just need to check yourself in. We've got this program. This is what's going to happen, and blah blah blah." And he was it, like, "No way." <laughs> I was like, the, the, uh, "These mattresses, uh-uh, you know, um, you know, good, good, stubborn alcoholic. I, 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 I knew what was better for myself, you know, but." uh uh, I did not go there, uh, and the last place that I went to was, uh, well, you know where I went. Can I talk about that? I think I can. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to. It's your I, story, man. I checked into. Uh, I went to the Brook uh, on uh, Dupont.
0: There's some some places would say all uh, all advertisement is good advertisement.
2: Hmm.
1: So, so I went there. Free ads here on yeah. the
0: podcast, if you name them.
1: Well, I went there, and um, I did the assessment, and based on their assessment, they, they had these two different options. One would be an, an inpatient thing, and, and the other one would be an outpatient thing, and uh, well, I, I like the outpatient thing. That sounded a whole lot better to me. You know, well, I not, knew the not, world not,
0: couldn't do without me.
1: Yeah, 9 to 12, <laughs> I was ready. Nine Take to me 12. off the
0: streets, man, and the world will collapse. I got to be outpatient.
1: Well, especially coming from the healing place. Well, they were telling me I was going to be committed and all this stuff for quite some time. Nine months or something. And they said nine to 12. I was like, I'm in because I'm really only doing this at this point because I'm going to prove to her that I don't have a problem. Yeah. So um, on, uh, let's see. So uh, I think that uh, that Saturday night uh, we went out and uh, I got another pint of bourbon and I drank it. I was like, is it all right if I go ahead and get the one more pint? I, you know, the total alcoholic here, right? Because I, I want to go get the alcohol and drink the alcohol that's causing a problem in my marriage for the reason she wants to leave me, but I want to go buy some bourbon. But I rationalized that because I only bought a pint. and You know, yep. I, I, I am surprised that I didn't go full blast, drink a fifth that night and be smashed to the wind. I I drank the pipe and I had a nice little buzz, but that didn't do a whole lot for me. Um, and you know, then that Sunday sobered up and got my stuff together. And the following Monday, I I checked myself into the Brook and they had all these rules and told me what I had to do. And you know, I was like, all right. And, the, and then I walk in and get there early because I don't I don't like being late, even even hungover. I didn't like being late. Didn't like being late to work. I wanted to be early. So I got there early, got myself some coffee, and everybody comes in and sits down. I'm looking around. I'm like, okay, well, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Looks better than downtown. We'll see what happens. I'm not like these people anyway. And then this guy with his big bouncy step comes walking in the room. He's got this big pushed back, lightweight, fuzzy hair, and the biggest <laughs> freaking smile. And like he's just walking on whatever. I'm like, geez, old Pete, look at this guy. You know, he he blew my mind um, when he walked in because um, he, he had. Just for
0: your information, I'm texting that guy right now. Yeah. Yeah, he texted me asking me if I'm okay about that thing that's going on with me today. But yeah. I'll leave that out of this. But yeah, I do need to tell him, yeah, I'm all right, and this is what we're doing. Well, that's what we do. We check on each other. Yeah. yeah. You know, no yeah. matter what. Time if I let of that day. hang for real long, that won't be good. Yeah. So uh, I needed I needed to uh, make sure he knew we was okay. I so, said, "With you, yeah. with you, and and Mike here, and we're doing a podcast. Everything's cool." I'll, yeah. I'll Touch base with you in just a little bit.
1: Just in a little bit. So uh, yeah, he um, he comes walking in the room and he's laughing about everything. And he, you know, he always he says, "So how you doing?" And I'm like, "Fine." What do you mean? How am I doing? He's like, There's nothing wrong. how are so you? That's doing? the first
0: time you met him. Yeah. He's like, okay. "How
1: are you doing?" And I'm like.
0: It's your business.
1: <laughs> I, you know,
0: <laughs> look where I'm at.
1: Yeah, he goes, I'm fine. Everything's good. And he goes, you realize you're in a mental institution, and you're fine. You know, he just kind of looked at me, and I, I don't know if he directly said it that way, but you know, that's kind of the, kind of what he got at.
0: Um, I'm good.
1: He, that's kind of what he got at.
0: Thank you, though. And um, I got water in here, and I got water over there, and. I probably, they probably hear me eating ice. I probably shouldn't do that.
1: Yeah. Well. So he uh, poked you a little bit. We, we talked, and, you know, but when I got there, um, I, uh, I met a lady that was at the front counter there, and she told me, she's like, you know, go to some meetings and intently listen. And listen to what they had to say and see if you can hear um, anything that you relate to in the meetings. And when you come to class, see if you relate to anything that people say in the class. Um, so I was there and, uh, I think it was a four week program and, um, I, uh, you know, the first two weeks, you know, I was just totally doing it and I was totally, I was listening. I was being very observant, but I, I kept telling him, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm paying attention. I'm just listening. You know, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, if I had this or not, because I don't, I don't really know. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to make my mind up and get my own information. And he was basically like. Bullshit. You're, you're not taking any of this serious. Now, he was more professional about it, but I got yeah. the message, and the message was bullshit. And uh, But it, it really wasn't bullshit. I mean, I was intently listening to what people had to say uh, and trying to come to my own conclusion of, of where I was at. And man, when I figured it out, whew, I went home, and I cried to my wife like a baby. I remember standing outside on our back patio, hugging her and crying on her and telling her how much of an ass I had been, and I finally realized it.
2: Huh.
1: Um,
0: so it's kind of like a like a major league first step thing where it just hammered you.
1: Boy, it floored me. You know what a blessing uh, that is. Yeah, it was. Christopher um, helped me with my program, and uh, he uh, has a brilliant way of speaking to people that he can get in and you know i i had this big fort wrapped up around me uh let's call it a fort of ego that there was nothing wrong and there was just maybe one little small penetration spot where you could penetrate that armor of ego and he found it and he got in there and he uh made me he didn't make me He helped me understand that I was an alcoholic. He made me see it for myself. And um, he has a way of speaking words and knowing the program um, and saying things a little bit different to you that um, may not, that may sit different. You know, I, I can say something to you. Somebody else can say something to you. We can both say the same things, but it's how the other person says it mm-hmm. that really connects with you.
0: He certainly has a uh, a gift with this stuff, for sure.
1: He does. Uh, I believe wholeheartedly that he is uh, a definite master of our program. Um, and and what helped me with him is that he understood it himself. And um, you know, it, if if anybody's really Trying to search for you know maybe you've been sober a while or um, maybe maybe you're not maybe you don't have an ism. you know he he has uh, a new book that that he's put out uh, and Dan has talked about it in the beginning of the podcast um, and I'm sure he'll talk about it again here later but um, if you're he he just has the gift of being able to put it to you in a way that makes you think hmm you know. And uh gosh, that was just such a blessing to me. Um I I went through the twenty eight day program and um actually it was twenty seven. So uh, you did all outpatient, you didn't do, did all outpatient. In, didn't do any inpatient. Didn't do any inpatient at all.
0: No detox.
1: Nope. Nope, no detox. No. I I, I wasn't a drug fan, never really was into marijuana.
0: Yeah. a lot of people had detox off of alcohol. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's one of the questions I usually ask people pretty quickly. Uh, one of my first top three, you know, when I get with somebody is, uh, can you stop drinking tomorrow? Can you? Can we not have a drink tomorrow? And and I mean it. You got to ask yourself that, you know, and, and we'll see. But some people can't. I had to I had to be separated for days because otherwise yeah. I'd left to my own devices. I drank again. Right. You know, and maybe I'd get it tomorrow, but I couldn't put a string together. I'd be drinking again in a few days. Yeah. But putting myself in, having myself be checked into someplace for a little bit, if I could get like five to seven days under my belt, then I got like some momentum when I come out of there with some outpatient, I could actually not drink. Yeah. But but so I, that's just a point that I, I, I think that's real interesting that, you know, some people can. And it sounds like you were one that, that actually detoxed yourself. Essentially, you just stopped drinking.
1: I did. I didn't have
0: medication for yep. it. Um, that's a good point, man. I mean, it's not everybody can do that, but some people can. Yeah. I mean, there was willpower there. You know yeah. what I mean? I,
1: again, after after I realized how much I had hurt my wife and other people around me, I mean, that you talk about something that's humbling for a guy that's yeah, got an ego I mean, that's yeah. big. Uh, I cried really bad over that. So, um, I uh, had my IOP. I did 27 days. Um, a previous employer that I had worked for Three or four years prior to that, had called me and it was under new ownership, and they had they had asked me to come in for an interview to to, to come work again, um, and so i i i did my um, i did my interview after IOP, and I don't know, like I did it like it was a day of IOP, like it was probably like day twenty or twenty one, and I'm going to my interview directly out of IOP um, rehab. Yeah, leaving and, the treatment um,
0: center, going to a job interview.
1: And I, you know, I came to rehab in a suit and tie, and went to a restaurant to meet the owners of this company, straight out of rehab. And I have no idea how I pulled off an interview. <laughs> like, how do I pull off an interview here? I mean, again, you know, things that happen that are unexplainable to me—that's in higher power. Yeah. And you know, he, my higher power helped out somehow there, and. Uh, that's the, the miracles
0: job. that happened before i worked the steps you know i can look back too and see that mm-hmm. there's there was there was miracles there was higher power working in my life for my good you know we had the ones after the steps right you know and they, those become a little clearer those ones that happen to you when you're still shaky foggy you know all that kind of thing yeah uh, those those are equally as cool actually actually probably a little maybe some more horsepower in knowing that you know you still had this power on your side even though you're not You know, we say in here we got to do the next right thing, you know, and, Mm -hmm. you know, and at some level we kind of, we kind of intimate that like our, our well-being and our continued success here in the program is dependent upon us doing the right thing, you know uh but the fact of the matter is we was, there i can point out a lot of instances when i wasn't doing the right thing and i was still in that safe and protected mode and a higher power was working for me for sure even when i was doing not right. the next right thing
1: right and just to give another example of that i remember one of those nights that we were coming home from that bar you were there.
0: doing the next right thing in this situation so i don't want to parallel that because you were yeah. coming right out of treatment almost like a yeah. higher power attaboy
1: yeah right yeah it you know i got the job and um uh been working there today and you know, since then, and you know, they gave me a company truck and everything, so that's kind of a you know, All right? miracle, it's that's a miracle, but uh, you know, the, another miracle that's just kind of popping in my head it was you know, people kind of go back and forth about this higher power stuff. Uh, to uh, uh, for me, with my high, higher power, I remember vividly one night where I, I come home drinking. And I was driving my wife's escort. I don't know what it was about me in little cars, but so I'm driving her a little bitty escort. And I'm driving down an interstate, <clears throat> and there's this big, like, split in the road and big partition. And I had passed out. And I woke up right as I was headed toward that. I was going to hit it head on, boom. And I would have been, you know, I would have been dead. There's no doubt in my mind. But I vividly remember waking up just in time to freaking turn the car to the left and how I didn't overcompensate and flip the sucker, yeah. and roll down the interstate. I don't know. So, you know, something came in there that protected me. Um, and looking back on that now, it's definitely my higher power. So, um, you know, there's, you know, things that happen, and uh, you, I remember one thing you said in the meeting about the higher power, but you, you talked about, uh, you know, people are always looking up too high hmm. for higher power. Sometimes you just kind of have to look for the things that are right in front of your face you said that real early in my sobriety Did it I? stuck with me yeah, <laughs> yeah. You remember, i don't know if you remember I saying it at all yeah. but so yeah you know that, i remember that was, i
0: remember the, having that concept i mean i remember I, it doesn't surprise me but i don't i don't recall it specifically
2: uh-huh.
1: so so i share a lot yeah you do <laughs> it's all right i like listen, listening to you talk so I'm, you know, kind of in here and, you know, I don't know what's going on with my marriage because, you know, she's still talking about she wants to leave and, um, or she doesn't know if she's going to stay, I guess is kind of what she said. She kind of said she didn't know if she was going to stay or not. She never gave me any real promises about what was going to happen or not going to happen. And, um, you know, cause you know, she's pretty beat up over 15 years of me being a jerk to her.
0: Heck yeah um yeah we make this is you know one of the things i've read and heard and i like to say you know this is we this is the disease that makes you sick even when you ain't got it yeah we make these other people sick
1: for sure we do so things are moving along but you know we're still together she's still at home and we we, we did have an agreement that after i went through the treatment program that i would move out and move back to my parents house because i didn't want to separate my children from their their beds and their home and change all that up because y'all
0: still look like you were heading for a divorce even as you was getting clean
1: uh you know, I manipulated myself to be able to stay at home until I got out of uh treatment mm-hmm. and uh so you bought some time, so I bought myself some time, yep, sure did uh, I didn't want to – my parents you know like they were still living in a house in uh out in Oldham county and um you know, toward LaGrange, and it was you know half an hour and I didn't wanna have to get up that early to back and forth and it was gonna be too much, and I don't know how, but um you know, I talked my way into sticking around until I got out of IOP. And then, uh, after that, um, I continued to stick around, uh, and it kind of, we just kind of kept going and, you know, things were, things were really looking up and, um, I had, you know, I was 30 days sober, 45 days sober. I had a sponsor, uh, at that time that I was working with and uh, we weren't really, uh, doing much step work but I was calling him every day and and so forth and you know I was I I was working the program to the best that I knew how to work it at the time and um, I wasn't skipping my meetings I was still going to um, a big book study doctor's opinion on Thursday nights Um, Monday nights I had a, a a meeting um Wednesday nights, I was kind of traveling around to some places. I was going on Sundays. I was going to four or five meetings every week, uh, and juggling, you know, kids and all the activities, and working. And you know, I was really, you know, I was really making an effort to fit it in because the uh, one thing, one thing that Christopher taught me was that you have to put the program before anything else, and uh, um, I had to do that. I knew your, that
0: your recovery has to come first.
1: Yeah recovery had to come first and I realized at that point I had a problem so I had to put my recovery first um and uh let's see um so I I did I did it and uh I started having um my first sponsor and I uh, we were not a fit for each other <clears throat> and uh I got a temporary sponsor and he kind of carried me for a little while and, uh, but that's, that's the cool thing about, uh, about this program and, in sponsorship. You know, I don't, I don't know if anybody's talked about it, but, uh, you know, my first sponsor and I, we, we didn't, we didn't work out, um, but that was okay. You know, we still talk. We're still friends.
0: We still, you know, there was no, um, doesn't or, have to be any animosity. There wasn't any it doesn't animosity. doesn't have to be anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, we get a little wound up about that, yeah. you know, and it's a perceived thing. And the fact of the matter is, no, man, you can move on and no. you can maintain relationships and people don't get butthurt about it. No. And I mean, He was a... If they do get butthurt around him, I've always said, you know, the thing, the fact of the matter is if they get butthurt butt hurt about it, you were right when you moved on for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: yeah, maybe so. But, you know, he. I didn't have that experience with, right. uh, with my, my first sponsor. Either. You know, and... Uh, um, I just I, and I today to this day I still really enjoy when he shares, um, you know, and it's not someone that's in our circle. It's in mm-hmm. a it's in a different meeting group that I go to. But yeah, uh, I that's really what attracted enjoyed, you in the first place was yeah yeah it. he he had a he had a, a he always says that I have a disease that's uh let's see if I can put this together chronic progressive and fatal right and and that I disease for him wasn't alcoholism it was he he's a diabetic mm. and. um, he related to that, to alcoholism, you know, and he always had all these wisdom things that he would say that I really kind of, kind of generated myself through. And I, I I liked what he said. I related to him. So that's what attracted to me to be a sponsor. So things are moving along. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of got out of the weeds, you know, we're, we're 30 days sober and, you know, I'm still staying at home and, you know, I've got a new job. I've got a new company truck. I'm managing my stuff. You know, things are getting better. I have a commitment to work my program. I've really talked to my wife how I'm sorry. Um, you know, but we, we still had marital issues that, you know, hadn't been resolved, um, from my drinking, you know, all that doesn't get fixed in 45 days. No doubt. Um, the night I got my 60 day chip, um, is the night that I, I really got some, some consequences. Um, There were meaningful consequences, and they were very tough for me as a person to deal with um, uh, I don't know how um <clears throat> quite honestly i don't I don't know how I made it through my sixty day night without drinking yeah um but but what I do want the message to simply be is this is that even in early sobriety if you start picking up tools that this program offers you, then you can utilize those tools and you can utilize those tools to keep yourself sober. And you know, for me, I had life happen and uh, I had to figure out a way to stay sober. And I did at 60 days. Because if you can go through this program and you can use the tools that are there, um, and you know, I think the biggest tool that was there is that I is that I wasn't a victim at that point in time. A whole life, I've been a victim. We we have this step work we do, and as I went back and looked at all my step work, I was a victim in almost everything. You know, self-imposed victim. Well, see, yeah, I didn't realize that until I yeah, did that right. th- that work that's the magic Uh, yeah when when you do that that stuff and you can find out all that crazy things that are in your past that has been controlling you my whole your whole life you know like i talked earlier about how my colitis had controlled me my whole life and and i knew what the effects of that were when i worked the program i realized that i had all these things like fear of rejection didn't like being alone um you know, all of these other character defects that I had that brought to the table. So now I can see these defects come in and I can go a different way. Um, and that, you know, that took time to do some work there. But, uh, yep. you know, I, I definitely got, um, uh, got through some very tough times and I was able to do that sober. You know, and as a result
0: sober. of having these 12 steps, principles yeah. working through you and you weren't even done. I mean, you were in the steps.
1: I hadn't even started the steps. Really? No.
0: Wow. So this yeah. is just on fellowship alone, basically.
1: Uh, it was on fellowship alone. Um, you know, I called. Um, I I'd had I had a temporary sponsor um, who was carrying me for a while, and he he was a great guy. Still, is a great guy. Um, he but he he liked to eat ice cream and go to bed about nine nine thirty. That's what he likes to do. And it's, it's kind of ironic as I look at the clock. That's what time we are at right now. But uh, he would, um, you know, he would eat ice cream at 9.30 and go to bed. Well, with my home life and kids and activities and blah, 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 I may not get home until 9.30, 10 o'clock. You know, it was just brutal. Um, So he carried me, and then after I got uh, some consequences, excuse me, I called Christopher, and I said, you know, I kind of told him what happened, and, you know, my ass was on fire, and I told him I needed a new new sponsor, and I needed some help, and he goes, okay, well, I've got this guy that I know that's in the program um, that I think would be a great fit for you, and uh, he said, he'll be at this meeting on Tuesday night if you want to come, so... You know, I thought everything was going fine, you know, up to my 60-day mark. And then after that, everything just came crushing down, Mm -hmm. right? So now I'm back on fire, and I'm really just back into fixed management control, and I don't know what to do. But I know that if I make the decision, it's going to be a bad one, and I needed to trust someone. And at that time, the person that I trusted the most with everything was was Christopher. So I called him. He said, this guy's going to be at the meeting on, uh, on a Tuesday night. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a wonderful meeting. We talk spiritual underground,
0: you know, name of this podcast. Yeah.
1: And, uh, I, I went and, uh, gosh, I walked into the room and I was so intimidated because the fellowship there was amazing. Uh, all these guys were hugging and loving on each other and, uh, they were all happy and smiling and laughing. And there was this energy that was weird. I couldn't, I, I could feel it. I didn't know what it was. Um, but I was definitely intimidated by it, but I knew that I needed to go find this one guy. So, I actually had quit coaching a soccer game in the middle of the game. Someone else kind of jumped in and helped out. I took off, came to this meeting, uh, you know, didn't didn't know my sponsor, didn't know anything about him, never – I don't – I might have heard him share one time. Uh, but um, Christopher said this is the guy. So, I got with this guy, asked him to sponsor me, and um, – Man, we got to work real fast.
0: Christopher's really good at uh, pairing up people, too. He is, yeah. So like he put this guy's good for you, a good yeah, match.
1: Yeah, this guy's a great guy for me, and, he, and this guy's a you know I've got, I feel like I've got the you know one of the best sponsors in the world. If not the best. You yeah,
0: know? I always say, Do you ever hear me? Have you yeah. ever heard me speak? Yes, I have. <laughs> when
1: I've I heard said that. that yeah. yeah, I stole it. Good. I don't care. Okay, all right, good.
0: <laughs> I'm glad. I just thought maybe it was a coincidence you were saying that. Oh, no, I stole
1: it. All right, good. Cool. But yeah, he's definitely, to me,
0: he's the best thing. He's the best sponsor in the world for me. I understand. Me, you know? Just so uh, everybody understands what happens is that when I usually speak, I say I have the best sponsor in the whole world. And if you don't think yours is too, keep looking because he's out there for you. And I say the same thing. I have the best home group in the whole world, and if you don't think yours is, keep looking for your home group because right. it's out there someplace. And right, what Josh just said his sponsor is the best one in the whole world. <laughs> got
1: it. And uh, you know, I uh, I didn't. I, I don't even know if I ever heard him share. I just did just what Christopher told me to do, and I did you it. Trusting, I did. And I got together with uh, with my sponsor and, which is Frank, yeah, who I was did. here on the podcast to so his. Yes. Um,
0: this might be the latest one out.
1: I think there might have been one after that. I don't know.
0: I think it is. Recent podcast. I think it's the very recent most podcast. Okay. Yeah.
1: So, uh, yeah, that's... A, it won't was, be
0: by the time yours comes out. Yeah. yeah but but, but his story come, was great, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. What a great story he has. And, you know, I want to say something about And I think
0: that. that's worth saying here, too, because you do see that. And, uh, and I think that's a story worth telling here is that, you know, to see this lineage of these people so that our listeners and stuff can connect these people and they see, like, why you know that, that frank and you can tell that because when he's shared here yeah you could tell what you know it's no it's it's not missing what he's got right no. if you can pick that energy up out of frank really quickly oh yeah and obviously you know he's delivered you something of value right oh yeah and so now you got that energy you know that mm-hmm. that's unmistakable you know and this is a thing where you know that makes all it makes a big difference in a guy's life man who you know that match yeah i'm it not saying does. that it's because of frankness so it's the match it's the pairing it's yeah the, I knew instantly that that we Although were going to work Frank's a great well sponsor, don't take me don't yeah. What's that? Frank Frank's a great guy, so I don't want right. to don't don't take that as disparaging big Frank. Right, not Big Frank. He ain't Big Frank no more.
1: <laughs> no, he you know what he he was the right guy for me, and he did so much for me. Uh, he was able to walk me all through all of my 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 four step. He was brilliant, brilliant, brilliant and soft and firm at the same time, but he was so thoughtful on how he helped me understand where all my resentments and all my problems that I'd had with people through my whole life, he was a very great, did a very great job of helping me understand, um, what my part in it was, you know, uh, well, Frank had a great sponsor. That. I mean, yeah, like and you know, and I want to say something about that too, though, because you know, I think sometimes people kind of get involved with this. You know, oh God, I got to get a sponsor thing, and and how can anybody, no, nobody can really help me, and blah blah blah. Like you know, I think
0: that, you know, I, I've heard it said in avoidance of getting a sponsor. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, an
1: avoidance of, you know, kind of new the program. Maybe you hadn't done a whole lot, didn't understand the benefit of it. How can some guy it's really that's not a doctor. Hard,
0: like you were saying earlier about walking into some of these other places, and it's tough. Yeah, but someone that doesn't have a degree, someone
1: doesn't have all this, you know, uh, course knowledge of all this stuff. Uh, someone's not trained. It's this lay person. How can this person that knows nothing about me help me? You know and and I'm supposed to go talk to this person and tell them everything about myself and all the stuff that I haven't told anybody, and I gotta talk to him about this stuff you know that's great and and I think some people might you know i i, I was standoffish about the understanding of getting a sponsor me too, you know um but man, I tell you what the blueprint for our program is in is in the big book or in your codependency book or your sex and sex anonymous book or whatever book, the if you want steps. to dive deep Wherever into the program, the 12 steps. Yep. If, if you want to dive deep into the program, um, you know, I, I think that there's, um, <clears throat> there's a great opportunity for people to look at the TSSR to really dive deep into it. Um, but, um, there's already a manual that's there. So the sponsor doesn't really have to do everything and, and all that stuff. The blueprint's there. He's your sponsor's just kind of there to walk you through the to, steps. He's a guy. Help to, you. A, with a
0: shaman, a coach, a whole bunch of that. Yeah. Mentor. Mentor. Yeah. A Sounding of, board. Yeah. A lot of those words, you know, that's uh that was we again, you know, it's the first word of the first step. We. Yep. Yeah we don't do this alone. You cannot, you're, you can do those 12 steps by yourself. Yeah. You won't get what's available to you by doing them by yourself until you well, start connecting and doing this. thing. of course you can't really do a fifth step by yourself and you can't. Right. And can't, I would rather not do a third step. I think you, you, well, know, I I think you can, of, but I think a
1: lot of people try to white knuckle it. And I think they think that, well, if I read this book and I go into these meetings, then I will be okay.
0: But, the key to the work, the key to recovery. Our path to recovery is the twelve steps, and working them and practicing the principles and implementing them in your life from this point forward. Yeah, that is the key to this thing. Yeah. And we say it in no uncertain terms. No uncertain terms. Yeah, step twelve: having had a spiritual experience as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to others and right. and, and, and practice these principles in all our affairs.
1: You know, that's and that's one part. Of my program that I'm really missing. That's one part I want sponsorship. I get, I'm really hear a lot of people talk about it's where all the juice, the juice is, man. man. I don't know where all the juice is, but I because I get some pretty good juice now. You know, I mean, I I, I get great juice off of, of this. Buckle
0: stuff, up, but, Buttercup.
1: Buckle up, Buttercup. I do get some. Well, I don't
0: know. <laughs> no, I mean when you do when you start sponsoring people, and you actually start doing this thing, and you're actually doing this guiding and that mentoring role, that really does. That's that's what carries me today. That is yeah. my sustaining. That's what sustains me today. Yeah
1: it does i, I can i'm I, I want we got experience. so many
0: doggone sponsors of spiritual underground you know people yeah. raising their hand you know like it's a little overwhelming for a new guy to yeah. be going
1: Who? i think somebody says it's a sponsor party or something yeah. I,
2: I don't yeah. know sponsor what that's sponsor party. yeah
0: <laughs> so um yeah so um so you worked through these steps with frank you yep. had the miracle happen yeah we got to flew celebrate. through it yep. i mean we flew through it what about you what do you have any idea Probably six months. Yeah, I don't say that. Well, yeah. the book says six months, and I say, I tell a guy, I promise him, if he'll do what I tell him, he's going to be through these steps in four to six months.
1: Yeah. Oh, we, we were thorough about it. Um, I did question myself toward the end of it because I, I went through all this stuff. I really second-guessed myself a lot about, like, okay, well, I, did, I, did I do it the right way? You know? Because yep, I don't think everybody teaches too. the steps the same way. They do They are not. the steps. There's a guide, but I don't think everybody teaches them We the call same it way.
0: tribal knowledge, Christopher yeah. and I do. There's yeah. tribal knowledge out there of how certain people lineage is really a sponsorship yeah. and how they go through the steps. Right. And, you know, Frank's comes from a different direction.
1: Yeah, it does. And But you know what? It worked for me. Yeah, right. No, right, it, right. it doesn't but matter. But I was they very second-guessing of myself in it because I talked to Christopher about should I do them again? I just finished them. Should I do them again? Because in our room, I don't know. I haven't been around long enough, but I don't. I don't really know. But in our room, I know that we don't work the steps once. We yeah. a lot of people work the steps over and over again.
0: Um, but I crossed over my fourth. I'm in my fifth year of recovery. I'm working the steps for the third time. In those times, just for matter. And uh, right, and I did it twice in my first two years.
1: Yeah. So we had talked. I had talked to Christopher about uh, finding someone to take me through the steps, and and that person was going to be you. Ooh. Do you remember us talking about yep, that? Yep. You remember that? Yep. So, but I, I I hit the pause button on it for a little while. Kind of wanted to sit here and let it sit and, 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 and we'll, come, we'll come back to it. Yeah. We'll we'll come back to yeah. it.
0: I mean, and it's another thing. And I watch some guys that'll do like, and I know one guy that has, has, seems to just do the steps like one after the other, after the other, after the other. And, and, and sometimes, it's, and it's a lot of times with different sponsors, and I don't see a real problem with that. Yeah. But I frankly, you know, this gets a little dangerous territory. I frankly don't think I need to do that. I do need to keep on working them, but not end to end, like chain smoking cigarettes. Right. Uh, I don't need to like chain smoke the steps. Uh, But I'm not saying, man, if this guy wants to do that, there's certainly no freaking harm in it. I'm not, it just seems like a lot of of work. And I'm not sure what you get, you know i begin to question like what value that is because then that starts getting to be like you're saying then i start getting in this little bit of a of a rut or maybe i think i didn't do it right last time so i'm gonna do it again and i'm mm-hmm. gonna do it again and then there's no perfection in this mm-hmm. it's we also say you know this is not a perfection business right so if you're like hunting for that perfect trip through the steps right it's gonna solve all your problems
2: never gonna happen yeah
0: right and man i'm gonna i need to like coast a little bit between them uh you know, build up some new resentments to put on a force list step next time. You know, I need right. some time to do that. <laughs>
1: well, you know, the, one of the things that was very intimidating to me about the first night that I came to Spiritual Underground was how close everybody we are is close new, in that room. True. I mean, but my birthday note. night, my mother and father came, my wife came, all my, my kids came, and they were blown away by, I mean, there was probably 100 men in the room in that night, you know, because birthday nights get bigger. But on a general night, maybe we have, what, 50. 50? 50? And we're all hugging each other and we're loving each other. And that creates an energy in a room. Mm -hmm. I I really believe that's where it kind of starts. There's a
0: buzz in that room as it's filling up. You
1: can feel it, man. By golly, you can feel that. And it's, I leave out of that meeting so amped up. It's crazy. But, um, um, golly, where was I going with this? Uh, See, this is this alcoholism stuff right here. It's a
0: camaraderie that you just can't explain, man. I mean, people are just tight. And, uh, and supportive to one another i mean i've had a number of things i'm going yeah. through one of them right now it's not easy you know yeah. And i know you know today i today i actually like lean like you said something about that trust fall today yeah what was you say say it again is it a tr- trust fall trust falls where you got it if you fall backwards and you just trust these people to catch you yeah you know i mean to this morning i woke up man and i just fell back into your guys arms yep yeah. I said, you know, here the fuck I am. Yeah, uh, I hope y'all gonna catch me again because I need it. Yeah. I tear up talking about it, man. For sure. But
1: that's the thing that's uh, so uh, connecting to me in this group is because number one, if we're bullshitting, everybody knows that you're bullshitting. The bonds are tight. You know.
0: Yeah, you really don't get away with much around and here. And I
1: think that um, if if when I start being really irritable and discontent and restless again. And I start having all these fires in my life that, um, people will know. And some, I think somebody, as long as you stay plugged in.
0: Yeah. You know, that's one of the problems and that's one of the disease will walk you away. Mm -hmm. So we don't see you anymore. Yeah. I always said, my sponsor has a thermometer in my mouth. Yeah. You know, and he's like constantly taking my temperature. Yeah, As long as I stay in contact with him, he can kind of look at the thermometer and like, Mm -hmm. yeah he's doing all right you know And like oh that ain't looking so good today what's up with you (laughs) (laughs) well right uh, for sure
1: you know and it's just uh you know i think that there will be a time there that 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 people you'll know when you know Uh, you know i I definitely feel that way you know and i think that um you know another thing that i kind of wanted to touch on real quick is that uh you know I I maybe your opinion a little bit on this too but you know I'm not a I, I don't know if I feel like every alcoholic or addict knows that they have a problem when they're in the madness. What do no. you think? Did you know you had a problem when you were in the madness?
0: Yeah, that's a double-edged thing, man. Uh there was times where I looked at myself in the mirrors and stuff, especially when I was getting really sick towards the end. Mm-hmm. And and there was times I remember, I remember when I wasn't so bad. Mm-hmm. looking in the mirror and telling myself, you know, and like, have, you know, I got a beer in my hand. I was a beer drinker, mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, like acceptance is answered all our problems today. Mm-hmm. I just accepted that this is what I was going to do the rest of my life was drink beer. I remember saying that to people that, you know, I was going to smoke pot the rest of my life. Now mm-hmm. that eventually I stopped because I liked to party right. pot put me down for the count. So I stopped smoking pot after a while. I like stuff that kept me up, uh, so, but, but did I really know? No, you know, it's mm-hmm. like that head knowledge versus heart knowledge thing. So I get what you mean, but there's a lot of people that don't know it. And I certainly, so, so my answer really is yes, I knew I had a problem. Did mm-hmm. I want to admit that I had it? Mm-hmm. No, no. Not, not really. But the flip side, I think where you're going is, is that like a lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. And what I really needed was a mirror turned around on me. And that's kind of what a sponsor does to me yeah and my support group and that kind of thing but mostly my sponsor the first time around is turns them, holds a mirror up for me and points at me and says see there's you are mm-hmm. yeah see the things you're doing like you well, said, see i you thought i get. drank like everybody else yeah me too yeah, yeah, yeah. i went I so went if places. i drank
1: like everybody else then i didn't think i really had a problem
0: right i would go into applebee's to eat you know and everybody else had four beer bottles on their table too you know right. and kids yeah yeah and uh and you know and i and, but actually once i got sober i started looking around and i was like yeah not really <laughs> yeah uh they really don't yeah things
1: changed wow so i don't know that was uh, so you just,
0: said you know one thing you said you might we was at first you was worried about us taking me actually getting two hours of time and we're at an hour and 51 minutes now nice yeah so we're gonna wrap up pretty quickly because i do like to keep them up around the two hour mark but what i do want to make sure that we talk about if you got any like any more i know you shared some of these miracles and some of these high points yeah
1: uh well yeah i mean i i i I say a lot that i walked through hell and came out pissing rainbows yeah because uh, i don't know where my marriage is going right now but i can tell you it's on a much much uh firmer ground today than it was before and you have to keep in mind there's there's 15, 20 years of drinking and alcoholism there,
0: and you're all seeking some help too, right? Some outside help.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, we we definitely are are doing everything that we can to yeah. make sure this is going. And and uh, she's got some stuff she's doing, and I've got some stuff that I'm doing. And um, the blessings are very much apparent that um, uh, things are getting better. It does cause a problem though sometimes because she's some she she kind of got used to me going right 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 you know fussing at her all the time about dumb stuff she got used to that and then when I went left, she didn't know what to do when I went left.
0: You I know, you're not, yeah, like you're disengaging sort of. Yeah, and almost like uh, what some kids say. So there's this things about some kids that says you know, like they they will attract negative attention because negative attention at least is some attention. Yeah, for sure. I remember uh you know
1: maybe a month or two ago um you know she, she uh she kind of gets real tired during a certain time of the month and she would come home from work and watch TV and she would pass out on sleep and you know I was going out in the hot tub and I started that fear of rejection just popped up immediately she did not want to be with me all this stuff's going on you know she's thinking about leaving again blah 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 you know just, you know I'm not getting my and I, all of it was there and I was feeling a certain way and I didn't know what it was and I just kept it to myself but then she could tell there was a problem. Before, man, I would have let into her, like, you know, quickly. But I waited, yeah. and I tried to figure out. And it took me some time to realize that, come on, quit being a jerk. You know, she's, she's she's getting tired for a reason. Yeah. You know, we have three kids, she works all the time, and she had some stuff she was, you know, dealing with at the time. And it was my fault. It was my fear of rejection. And it took me three or four days to put that together. Hmm. But I paused. But when I paused, she freaked out because yeah. I went left instead of ripping her head off. Yeah. So the dance does change, and it doesn't get better overnight. But what I can tell you is that I'm I'm, I'm very much uh, involved with my children and my wife, and I'm present. And actually, I'm, you know, there's a difference between being there and being there. And now I am with my kids. I'm I'm coaching. You know, soccer, I'm coaching basketball. We have 75 things going 100 different directions, and time management is uh, of the utmost priority for my family and I. However, uh, I'm there. I show up, and I'm involved, and I want to be there. And um, that's the promises
0: coming true. Yeah, man. That is, no doubt. A friend always says part of his recovery is being present for his family, as far as participating in his recovery. That's right. Yeah, man. We're at hour fifty-four. You want to go? Co- I told this from Steve and Ellie. Gang concluders. Thank
1: you, Mister Mike, thoughts? for coming to hang out, listen to my story. Thank you, Dan, for yeah, leading me through exactly. it because I had no idea where I was going to go. I hope my story relates with somebody. Uh, my He'll story well. relates
0: to someone.
1: Uh, there's
0: somebody needs to hear every one of these stories, man. There are, sure. there's like these doppelgangers out there in the world yeah. that, for whatever reason, you know, somebody, everything one of our, we're not that all that different. Yeah. But somebody goes, oh man, there's a bell will go off and they'll go,
1: yeah. I challenge people to, 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 to challenge and think about how they're thinking. Because if you're walking around thinking negative and critical all the time, I thought that's the way it was supposed to be. Yeah. That's not the way everybody is. Nope. But that's the way I was. And, uh, there was this guy, um, who had a doctor's opinion of a big book study and he talked about in our book it says take inventory at the end of every day and he talked about how he took inventory after every activity he did Mm -hmm. so uh, it would make sure that he had a positive mindset. Every time he changed
0: locations I think is the way I heard him say it once. So like when he left here He'd Correct. do a little inventory, you know. And then when he left the next place he yeah. was at, he'd do a little inventory. Did I leave any? Uh, a real favorite guy of mine is David G. I listen to a lot of his meditations. Mm-hmm. He has a really good meditation about, uh, and he calls it Aju and something else to like Sanskrit kind of name words. But basically he's saying, uh, are you leaving behind bad energy or are you leaving behind good energy? Yeah. And when you leave a place, what did you leave behind? And give that consideration. Not just did you hurt somebody. Yeah. Right. Because that's a little one-sided, right? Right. Uh, you know, did I do any good in there? You know, when I left that spot, mm-hmm. did I leave good energy behind me when I left? Because that's what right. my goal is. Yeah. Not I, just. I not, it's not energy, just to right? not do harm. But you have
1: to. You have to have a positive mindset. You do. And be in being a positive in good spirits to leave that behind.
0: You do. Um, yep. I don't You have, know to, about you have to arrive else. with it.
1: Right. You got to have it all the time. And, you know, not that you have to have it all the time, but you don't always have it. But I, what I had before I worked this program was always critical, negative thinking, poor, poor, pitiful me. I was always a victim. Everything was everybody else's fault. And I never had much positive to say about anything. Yeah, man. That if, perfect- if that's your thought processes, that's not how everybody thinks and there's a better way. Yeah, man. Great
0: way to close this thing. Great way cool man i am so glad you came in here today thank you for having me uh yeah you ramped up and uh i did we we got her going and it was a great story uh thank you mike for joining us we'll get you in here and as i'm sitting here the whole time like this i'm like uh oh, you should be here sometime soon uh we need to get your story too um spiritual is where these show notes are uh podcasts can be found on all the major podcast players Uh, Darren Frank's music's wrapped around this Thank you Darren And um, TSSR 12 Step Spiritual Recovery at Amazon By James James Christopher Cone Uh, If you're interested in starting meetings There's also a 12 Step 12 Step Spiritual Recovery Dot com That is a big old URL but it's there 12 stepspiritualrecoverycom you can learn about that movement that's uh bringing 12 steps a little deeper or a lot deeper and uh, and making them available to everybody. Uh, thank you all for listening. we crossed over 2500 listens just not uh, just not too long ago podcast keeps on growing uh, please share it and uh, if it touches you send me some feedback and let your friends know and uh, and uh, th- uh, take a little drink of this juice we talk about in here. Uh, Thank you all for allowing me to participate in my recovery in this manner tonight. Peace out.